Well, welcome to uh, Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye, uh, being in compliance with uh, the dictate uh, to avoid uh, spreading the virus. We're doing the program from home. Uh, there's no one in the studio except for Eric. We're glad he's on the board. Uh, we have a number of people we'll be talking with today. Our first guest is the dynamic president of the Seattle branch of the NAACP, Carolyn Riley Payne, who's been doing magnificent things in this city, in this county, for uh, decades. And she's not that old, but she's been doing it for decades. And uh, uh, the NAACP uh, is going to be really integral in what's happening right now in this coronavirus. As everybody knows uh, there's a disproportionate uh, uh, number of deaths among the African-American community. And uh, we know, as usual, uh, the NAACP is our vanguard, our leader in terms of getting justice for uh, folks in the black African-American community. So uh, I want to, Hayward Evans and I want to welcome you, Carolyn Riley Payne, for giving us some time today. And uh, we'd just like to have you make some comments about what's happening with the branch and how is uh, the NAACP dealing with what's happening with the virus? But we're lucky that we have a governor, a county executive, and a mayor that were proactive in terms of stopping the spread of this disease and mandating a stay-in-shelter kind of a, uh, a dictate. So uh, how you doing? And let us know what the NAACP is doing. Okay. Thank you for having me today. Well, first of all, the branch is a well and live. We are, we are making progress. Um, each and every day, we're doing some things that, um, with the community on this uh, on this virus, the, um, we're we're doing our social dis uh, our social responsibility. We're holding our meetings by Zoom, uh, and uh, we are making resources available. We are trying to connect the community with what resources are available. And by putting it on our website, we get, we're going to have some webinars uh, in which we are trying to connect people. Everybody's just kind of paralyzed with this, um, and we're thinking and doing with the virus, because we know that de- decades of race, um, racist policies have shaped um, the, uh, the, this uh, how this virus impacts our community. It's ranging, you know, it ranges from uh, access to health care. And if you analyze all of the things that are going on, our wealth, our income, and et cetera, um, we are just, we have to be now mindful of what the policies are coming out and how it impacts our community, black and brown people, but our community. Because they're writing, you know, it does you no good to get a $20 billion uh, grant or twenty billion dollar uh, relief from the government is if the policies and the in the fine print half of the people that is supposed to help are disqualified, and so that's what we have to be mindful of as we go forward. And and in the days the money has been poured and thrown at um, at the virus, but we not we have to make sure that the money gets to where it needs to be in the community to the small businesses to the people that it most affects. And so that's what we're uh, starting to look at. And we are having, we have some programs going on right now. We have one that in which we are uh, reaching out to, uh, for example, our restaurants and um, we're highlighting them on our website 
and we're encouraging the community. If you're going to go out and, and pick up food, think about our restaurants. Don't just go to Applebee's or wherever people go. Think about Island Soul. Um, think about uh, you know all of the the restaurants that um, this that are owned by and operated by black people. So that's that's some of the things that we're doing. Um, and as always, you know, we're a membership organization. We're we're still trying to build our rebuild our membership back up. So we ask people to don't forget. These are the times that um, you forget us, but then as soon as the virus is over and life comes back halfway to semi-normal and you realize all the things that are happening to you, the first thing you're going to be doing is reaching out to us. And we're here, we're here for you, but we also need your membership. And we're having some uh, – I'm waiting to hear from my economic development chair all of the – um, good things that we'll be doing to bring money into the branch so that we can reach out to the community more. And, you know, uh, one of the things that you know, keeps coming up is the fact that the president is still talking about reopening the economy. And the, the, this country, the United States, has more uh, coronavirus cases than Italy, Spain, and France combined. And, uh, you know, it seems like uh, he's more focused on on getting the economy going. Uh, but the sad thing is, is that, as you mentioned earlier, about the resources getting back to the people who are in need, I can't recall when the $1.5 trillion uh, giveaway that was given to the corporations of America, they didn't have to go through any of the maze and the paperwork and all the stuff that uh, the people that just need to put food on the table, keep their lights on and pay their rent, they're going through a lot more hoops. And I hope that all of them uh, MAGA hat-wearing folks uh, who are living day-to-day now will realize that while uh, he might not like black folks or other people of color, uh, it's more to, to the United States than that, and I, they're feeling the brunt right now. But it's really, uh, as you indicated, uh, pre-existing conditions the lack of health care, and that's what our community is suffering. In addition to that, the jobs that black and brown people have are the service jobs, the bus drivers, the maids, and uh, the, the, the hospital workers. And, you know, there are a lot of nurses and doctors involved, too, who are, who are catching this. So I'm just saying is that uh, whenever this is, I think now is the time to start meeting and talking to members of Congress about making sure, you know, we're talking about, uh, the president's talking about everybody, get rid of Obamacare. So there's no care, you know, and the first thing that happened is that they got rid of affirmative action. Well, the reason why we're dying disproportionately is because we never had any equity in action anyway. And that's why if you don't have a position to pay for health care, not make it. And uh, so those are some things we have to be concerned with. That uh, The NAACP at the national level, the national level, are all getting down. Yes, uh, Eddie. Oh, I was going to say, you know, uh, yes. Well, let me just say this. Social distancing is a privilege because if you, the jobs that we have, we can't afford necessarily to do that. Now that they closed down, now that our mayor and the governor uh, and the county executive were smart enough to kind of close us down to stop the spread, um, 
but the messaging was not clear in the beginning. That's one of the things that uh, that we uh, need to make sure that our communities understand the messaging. Because you know, first you didn't have to stay home. First you don't have you didn't have a mask. It, they thought black people wouldn't couldn't get the virus or whatever, and they don't make clear messaging to our community. And that's another thing we need to say. You need to advertise in our in our paper. You need to make sure that uh, the messaging is in our language. Uh, we're not necessarily sitting at home at six o'clock watching uh, CNN news. So, yeah, you're right about that. So the, that you know, um, if you the jobs that we have, like you said, with those are the jobs that what that a touch that where you have to touch. You can't. Uh, work from home. Not all of us. We are at the lower end of the uh, economic uh, spectrum. Our jobs don't allow us, quote, to work from home. So we have, uh, so that is another thing that we have to look at and we have to call Congress and everybody, anybody that's making policies and decisions that affect us. Uh, the, these are the kinds of things that we have to bring back and say the disparities all, all along. When when at, uh, when things like this happen, of course they're going to hit us harder. Of course we're going to we have preconditioning, pre-existing conditions. So when we go to the doctor, we we don't get the full care. We may not always be able to get to the doctor. We don't have uh, uh, a ride, or we can't get somebody to take us, or we don't have a car, or we don't have gas to put in the car to go to the doctor. I mean, these are all social economic. Um, Things that we talk about, but then they hit us hard, harder when there's an epidemic um, uh, uh, like this. When we have a this kind of this virus is it's vicious. People, we need to make sure that we tell our young people that this is no joke. And if we are dying uh, disparately, like like we are, look at Wisconsin. You seventy percent of the people die of uh, black. From coronavirus, and you only twenty percent, twenty six percent of the county. What's, I, what's wrong? Same with that? thing in Illinois. Same thing in Louisiana. Yeah. Everywhere you look. I mean, so so when you do the math. Yes. Yeah. You know. So I want to see if Hayward has a comment or question. He's yeah. one of your staunch <laughs> members and leaders of the Seattle branch. Oh, yes. But you know, I, interestingly, I think what we need to look at as well. Now, we, we, we've seen what's going on around the nation, but I think we need to start looking in our own backyards. And interestingly, uh, something that we need to look at, how many people aren't making it to the doctor that passed away because of the illness? They said the numbers in New York on average was 20 people a day. Right now it's 200 a day who are dying in their homes. And so I think that that's something the NAACP should be talking to, uh, to Dow and the uh, – um, and the uh, 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 the mayor, the mayor about uh, how many folks are passing away in their home on an average now compared to what it was before. How many of those folks are black? And then to continue with that, because you raise a very, very good point, uh, Madam President, and that is how many people even got transportation to get to the hospital or to the doctor if they don't have adequate health care. So it'd be interesting to find out. One, since uh, since number 45 has cut, cut out Obamacare, you can't even access medical care for the most part if you're poor. How are we getting people somehow insured 
I think is something that needs to be looked at. And also the people who are around, like you said, we need to start telling our people more about it. Do they know how long that, uh, that virus lives on different surfaces? If it's cardboard, 24 hours. If it's, if it's on steel, it's three days. How many people are going out there with a mask? They get home, they take the mask off, and it's on their hand. <laughs> and they didn't wash their hands. So I'm very appreciative of the steps that the NAACP is taking. But in that same vein, we really, really need to push it. And then you alluded to it. All this money coming down the pipeline, are we getting our fair share? And are we going to assess it? And is the NAACP looking at working with the other government entities and holding them accountable? They're putting all this money in the bank. How many people even apply for a loan? They got that real low interest loan, even with the forgiveness through the SBA. Well, how many of our people even know about it or know the process? Is that something that the NAACP is considering now? Madam yes, that's, what, that's one of the webinars that we're, we're looking at trying to put on, helping, uh, telling people how to fill out the application. Don't take yourself out. The other thing is we're, gonna, we're pushing. Don't take yourself out of the uh, game. Apply and let them tell you you're not qualified. Don't say, oh, I, I was talking to somebody and they said, well, I don't qualify. I said, how do you know? You're absolutely right, apply Madam President. For, apply That's right. for the loan and let them tell you. that, And then you can go back and say, why not? This is what I do. I mean, so there's some education that we are uh, starting to do um, and talking about doing. And that's the other thing. We need people to help us. We need people yep. that have the expertise, that know how know about these things, know how to find them and help us put it together so that we can tell and inform the community uh, so they won't be handicapped by the lack of knowledge. Or it's not the lack of knowledge, it's the lack of understanding and looking through all of the papers, uh, all of the information that's coming out. You get bombarded. You get overwhelmed with, um, with information. So we're trying to work through and make it simple and, uh, and understanding so, you know, people don't have to have one place to go, like you said, know about um, on our website. We, t- we talk about um, the virus and what you need to do. Wash your hands. That, I, I mean, that sounds simple, and we always say it, but it's not we don't always do it. And how many people have t- gotten tested? See, why is it that every time there is, uh, when there is things to be done, when they put uh, testing. They don't put it in our neighborhood, but if they want to put, uh, uh, they set up the houses uh, in the middle of the uh, uh, neighborhood for uh, for the corona, uh, for when they were talking about the coronavirus and trying to isolate people, where did they come? It happened in Kirkland. That's where it started. They didn't look at putting a, mm-hmm. an isolation yeah. place in Kirkland. They put it over in White Center. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing thing that is happening, uh, Madam President, is that uh, I got a call today from Pastor Ricky Willis with the Urban League, and they will be building the little teeny houses uh, at uh, the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development, also used to be SVI, uh, for uh, coronavirus uh, patients. Uh, So they will have a place to go. And that was approved with the help of uh, Representative Sharon Tomiko-Santos she has got authorization from the Washington State Department of Commerce to have that activity go on. That's the priority for Governor Inslee as well. So anyway, uh, uh, 
Madam President, we want to thank you uh, for your, your all your efforts and stuff, and we'll stay in touch with you and keep you on the air so you can keep our people informed. So thank you very much for your time today. Carolyn Riley Payne, hey. President, CL Branch, NAACP. Thank you. Okay. Oh, oh, Eddie, can I say one thing right quick? Go ahead. I, I want to talk about the tiny houses that you were talking about. Um, well, now we I, got we have the congressman on the hold, so we have to we have to deal. With, we're gonna have Pastor Willis. We we'll have you back on next week to talk about that. Okay, but we okay. got a congressman on hold, so we got to get to him. His time is precious too. So thank okay. you very much for your time today. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, our next guest is uh, Congressman Gregory Meeks, represents the fifth uh, congressional district in New York City, and uh, you've seen him over and over, time and time again, uh, commenting on the disproportionate effect of this virus on uh, his constituents and our people. And uh, uh, Congressman Meeks, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Glad you could take some time out to share your wisdom with our listening audience. Thank you, brother. It's always good to be with you with the good people of Washington State. Yeah, if they need to emulate, instead of uh, people calling our governor names, they need to emulate some of the practices he's been utilizing. A lot like with the, the governor of uh, of uh, New York City, uh, who really has been in the forefront, because you guys have been in the epicenter. So uh, yes. why don't you just share with us some, some of the things that you are doing as a, a member of Congress in New York City, as well as what I uh, mentioned, what the Congressional Black Caucus is also doing. Yes, I was going to say that. Number one, I do compliment your governor, uh, who's been doing a, a great job, Governor Inslee, former member of Congress, who uh, I worked with very closely when he was a member of Congress. So there was no doubt in my mind that he'd be out there and be a fighter uh, for the people of Washington State. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus, under the leadership of uh, Chairwoman Karen Bass, first, you know, she we're going across the country uh, talking about the effects that this virus has had on uh, African American and Hispanic communities throughout the United States. When you look at the numbers, it is apparent that uh, our communities, when you look at the number of deaths, the percentage of deaths of uh, people of color compared to anyone else, it is substantially higher, as shown in the figures in New Orleans, in Detroit, in Chicago, and, of course, in my dear city, New York. And it has me in my district uh, working uh, on a daily basis and trying to help our health care system and get our people tested uh, because, uh, you know, a large part of this is the delay and the lack of testing that has taken place in our communities and individuals who may be asymptomatic, uh, but uh, are positive with the virus, and thereby infecting other individuals because we are living in close quarters. It is also our people who, many of them, are health care providers or first uh, responders, and they have to, and they still utilize public transportation because they have no other way of getting to work. So in New York, if it's the subways or the bus, et cetera, then that also further exposes individuals to the possibility of, the, of, of, of contracting the virus. As well as in the city of New York, we have a lot of high-rise buildings, et cetera, in which people are living in. So all of that compounded, uh, in, uh, especially with this public housing, in areas of color uh, is, is causing a great, great tragedy in our communities. And unfortunately, because of health disparities in our communities, we have more underlying diseases, uh, whether it be heart uh, problems or blood pressure or diabetes, uh, which further exacerbates 
uh, if, in fact, you are infected by the virus, it attacks the lungs and thereby puts you in danger of losing your life. So we have all of that that's going on right now in New York. Our hospitals have become uh, uh, completely, in fact, overfilled with beds. Uh, the hospitals are changing uh, emergency uh, room space and outpatient facilities and changing them all to, uh, to be uh, intensive care uh, facilities because of the number of incoming patients that we have. Uh, so uh, we're working very hard. Uh, there's lots of organization uh, by the, uh, the national government uh, has caused states to have to compete against states, uh, and that's a tragedy in and of itself. So we, we are fighting hard to, uh, to try to get to the apex here in New York. I think we all reached that in Washington already. We're following what you're doing and then trying to, you know, get the curve to start going down. But right now it's very intense in the city of New York. I just want to say that uh... – uh, I've been working with two uh, doctors from India. They're they're, they're outstanding uh, researchers and scientists, and I sent uh, your uh, aide uh, Andre uh, some information about what Dr. Uh, Arun and Ajit uh, Kumar. Uh, they're located in India. They're, they're highly regarded. I've got a lot of information on them, and I'm sharing this. I share it with other members of the caucus, but I just got some additional information from Dr. Kumar today that I forwarded to Andre for you to look at, and they. Uh, they have some, they're pretty dynamic, and I think it's something that needs to be looked at because we've got to look at anything and everything possible to try to slow this thing down, uh, to come up with a vaccine, as well as testing. And I, the other issue I have is uh, the test locations. Are they prominent in the communities of color, in the black community? Brother, they have not been. So here in New York, uh, all of us have gotten together from every uh, local legislature, Myself, you know, in New York, we're fortunate to have an African American who's also our Attorney General, uh, the heads of our legislative bodies in the uh, in the state Senate and in the New York State Assembly are both African American. Uh, we are we've just put some intense pressure on the mayor of the city of New York, particularly, who was trying to downplay testing, uh, unfortunately, to say that uh, we have. We have to have it, uh, and we have to do uh, direct uh, uh, testing in areas of where we know that the virus is. So what we want to do, uh, and this is what the Congressional Black Caucus is focused on, is target-focused testing with rapid testing machines. Uh, so there's some announcements as a result of that now uh, that we're going to increase the number of testing facilities uh, in our districts, uh, mine in Queens County. It's probably have the most African-American, and we only had one, uh, but uh, we're going to now move, you know, we're we intensifying. And, in fact, it is so serious here, uh, many of us uh, who are elected and uh, decided that we have to do something ourselves. Uh, I happen to be a part of the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, uh, so the brothers got together. I mean, we're calling the 1906 Project, and we are opening up a tent. Uh, uh, we got uh, some of our brothers who are doctors, etc. Some of the other Divine Nine is coming on now. Some of our sisters from Delta and AKA, they're making contributions to get the kit. And we are now starting next week. We'll be opening our own testing facilities uh, so that our people can come and get tested. Uh, too many of us are dying, and we've got to stop it. Well, you know, uh, Congressman, I remember when they gave the tax break 
I didn't hear uh, to those large corporations. I didn't hear anything about any glitches with the money getting to them. But to the, when it comes down to the working person and the small businesses, there seems to be all kinds of issues and problems with having getting access to the money they need to survive. What can be well, done to change that uh, uh, dynamic? Well, we're working and focused on that very much, you know, in regards to the CBC. Uh, so let me just say uh, that the, your question has uh, two folds in it. First, uh, the stimulus money that we uh, passed in, uh, in, in phase three of the stimulus uh, bill, where we wanted to make sure that uh, anybody that's making less than $75,000 or less, uh, this is not enough, but this is a start for us, they will get a $1,200 payment uh, to each adult. Uh, and if you are a married joint father, you get $2,400 and then $500 for each child, and that's including whether or not you're receiving a SSI or, or SS or any other kind of government payment, you will get that tax rebate. Uh, and so for some that was receiving uh, other forms of, uh, of assistance uh, from the government, they were saying that you'd have to file, but you would not make enough money to file a tax return, or they were saying that you would have to file some type of paper. We've changed that because many of those individuals have already uh, receiving uh, their checks in the mail. So we made that so that it will be directly deposited uh, to you in the same manner as that assistant has. We still have the crack, though. Those who don't have that ability, they have to get paper checks. That's going to take a little bit longer, but we believe these other checks should become uh, available and be being put into people's accounts starting on April the 13th. I want to say the people who are on Social Security, that means they'll have to leave their home and go out and find someone to do a tax form for them? Is that how no, that we, works? We eliminated that. They no longer, as if they were getting their Social Security check directly deposited into their bank account, they will not have to do that. Uh, they will get that check directly deposited in their banking account. If they did not... Um, uh, have the, the checks directly deposited, they will get a paper check because they're already in the system. We know who's okay. receiving that money. So they will get a paper check now without having to fill out any additional work. But the, the paper checks takes longer to process. Uh, the okay, that's a good clarification because that was one of the major questions yeah. with Social Security yeah. people. I want to ask my co-host, uh, Hayward Evans, if he has a question yeah. or a comment. Uh, Representative Meeks, first, thank you. What if they're homeless? What if they don't have an address or bank account? Well, as I said, uh, there's a big problem if they're, if they're homeless because if you don't have a bank account and you're homeless, we don't know where to send the check to. Um, so that becomes a problem uh, in that regard. If you're in the system and you're receiving any kind of aid, they know where to send the check to, and that check will be forwarded there. So... That is an issue that is hard to resolve, quite frankly, because there's got to be a destination of where to send the money to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe if Congress can, maybe if Congress can look at organizations like the Urban League that can go out there into the community to identify these people that can be the uh, they can be the conduit, the liaison between the homeless and uh, them getting access to that money. But I had another question, too. It has to do with the 
in-home mortality rate. I was watching MSNBC, and they said the number of people literally dying in their home is 10 times what it was a year ago. And they're saying that it might be uh, virus-based, and they're just not gaining access to health care. Are people now being tested uh, for the virus if, in fact, they pass away in their home? Well, I couldn't agree with you. I think that there is a problem there, and I think that causing even an undercount, as devastating as it is in our communities now, I think that those uh, 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 coronavirus-related deaths uh, are, are being undercounted because of the number of individuals that are dying in their homes uh, and some who are not being tested uh, at, at all after they've passed away. Uh, so I think that is a tremendous problem throughout America right now. Uh, and, uh, and it's also why I'm a firm believer in that if we're going to get anywhere back to normal anytime uh, after the doctors and the scientists and the data says that we can begin to do that, uh, testing is absolutely uh, important. Uh, but I do believe, I, I agree with that report. It was on MSNBC, so there's a vast undercounting. Uh, and uh, and uh, we've got, that's got to be fixed. Uh, we got to do that. But I know if you're in the epic center like you were in Washington, like we are in right now in New York, you know, our focus is trying to save as many lives as we possibly can. Yeah. Well, Congressman Meeks, uh, I really want to uh, appreciate the time I, I watch you. Uh, you champion uh, our cause on MSNBC and CNN, and it's good to see and hear from you. And good to see that you're in the front of the battle as always. Uh, you've been consistent throughout your career as long as I've known you, and we really do appreciate your time today. And we want to have you on regularly here to so let the folks in Washington State know what's happening. As you know, uh, Hayward and I, uh, you know, because we usually have uh, commemorate and pay tribute to Dr. King on April 4th, and also to the August 28th, the 63 March on Washington, and the 52nd anniversary. Uh, it was just a few of us, but we did uh, uh, put a wreath up at a bus at El Centro de la Raza. They have a bus to Dr. King. So, because uh, Seattle, we are in Martin Luther King Jr. County, Congressman, the only municipality in the country named for Dr. King. So, we feel it's incumbent upon us to recognize those two dates. So, sir, thank you very much for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before you go? Well, the one thing I'll share, uh, number one, I just want to thank you, uh, Brother Rob, Brother Haywood, for doing what you do, because it's the communication uh, that is tremendously important, getting out information, accurate information, that our communities can listen to and follow and understand. You know, it is important because, for example, sometimes with the Internet and other false information gets out, and uh, there was a time where I was listening on uh, on the internet where folks were saying well black folk this is a disease or a virus that won't affect black folk and we can keep moving on and doing what we want to do you were able to get information out to folks in seattle and uh, and the greater washington area to correct that and to make sure that they understand exactly what is taking place by making sure that you are including the urban league the NAACP, the doctors etc to get the facts out to folks so you are one of our heroes uh, and what you do and how you do it, and I thank you very much because that's okay, Congressman. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Good deal. Okay, uh, we're gonna take a break and come back with our next guest after this. Why sit in bumper to bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress free way to get where you want to go. 
Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, Eddie Ryan, Hayward Evans. Back at Urban Forum Northwest with our next guest, Clarence Gunn is the president of Democrats for Diversity and Inclusion. He's been hosting some uh, webinars or Zoom conferences on the, uh, the devastating effects of the coronavirus in the Seattle and uh, Washington State area. So, Clarence, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, we got short time, but you've been doing such an outstanding job. We cannot leave you out of the program today, and we will be following up with you because you're active uh, not uh, weekly but daily. So why don't you just share with our listeners uh, what DDI is doing to get the word out uh, to uh, deal with getting our people informed about the the, uh, coronavirus. Well, Eddie, let me start by saying thank you uh, and Hayward for uh, providing me this opportunity to participate in the call today. A lot of people pay attention to uh, the issues you guys bring up and uh, are better informed because of it. And because of your activism, a lot of things are happening in the community. So thanks, um, first of all. Um, DDI, the Democrats for Diversity and Inclusion, uh, is a grassroots organization committed to making sure that uh, minorities, specifically black residents uh, uh, in the area, are engaged and informed and aware of what's, uh, what's happening and provide them uh, opportunities to be able to connect with uh, the appropriate policymakers, elected officials, et cetera. So um, that's that's our goal. And so our meeting this past week, uh, this past Monday evening, uh, we talked about COVID and its impact on the African and uh, went through a short list of the different resources that are available via the city the county and the state and, and the federal uh, as well. So we you know, kind of talked about those, but we also talked about it personally, uh, where several of our members told stories about how it's impacting them and their families. One individual had 
six or seven family members and friends that were confirmed. Uh, another individual is uh, in a union, and uh, three or four of his members uh, are confirmed. So, you know, it, it's having an impact uh, in a big way around the area, uh, you know, personally with folks. Um, and, and so that's a real problem. Um, some 18%, just na nationwide, um, excuse me, uh, in, in, in New York, uh, of, of the population, 18% of the population is black, and, and currently we make up 38% of the COVID patients. Um, I was watching uh, NBC News last night. Some 86% of the deaths in New York City had underlying health issues. They didn't break it down by race, but they said underlying health issues. And we know that, unfortunately, African-American health care is not nearly adequate or appropriate uh, or equal to that of, of other communities. Uh, I was looking at something on the King County uh, Health Department's website, and the life expectancy of someone in Bellevue is seven to eight years, seven to nine years longer than that of someone that lives just in Renton, just 10 minutes away. Uh, and that's because of the access to health care. So the unfortunate part about COVID is this really brought out a lot of structural issues, uh, deficits that we've been kind of working around and, and dealing with. Um, but uh, this, this virus has really shown the inadequacies of the healthcare program, lack of access. There aren't as many hospitals in Renton area as there are in Bellevue. Healthcare, health insurance, Obamacare and Trump, ugh, and it's a whole other conversation for a long day. Um, you know the um, uh, you know the, the genetic issues that that our folks uh, are. Um, inclined to, to have pre-existing conditions, the fact that in so many cases those aren't available, the cost of health insurance if people even, uh, you know, if it's not provided by their employers. And unfortunately, in so many cases, black and minority people don't have jobs that provide fully paid health insurance. So they've got to pay out of their pocket for uh, the, you know, just the, uh, the, the dividend and the deductibles are... Uh, you know, are, are outrageous. So, you know, people kind of don't access the health care that they do have. Um, and that's why they have pre-existing conditions, uh, that genetic issues, pre-existing conditions, and boom, you know, now it magnifies this, in this particular case, this, uh, this um, uh, virus. Um, you know, there are other things that this virus has really showed. Uh, structural uh, issues, inadequacies, education. With the schools being closed, you know, they're all talking about going to distance learning. Wonderful. But how many households, black households, minority households, don't have uh, Internet, don't have uh, laptops or personal computers or to be able to get lessons? You know, how many parents afforded to be able to do home learning, homeschooling. Uh, Clarence, how, can, uh, how can our listeners access information about Democrats for Diversity and Inclusion, DDI? How can they access that and get looped into 
uh, the Zooms and uh, the, the conference calls that you're currently having to uh, share this information? Um, we are in the process. One of the things we did last uh, Monday night's meeting was, was uh, put together a communications team to uh, you know, revamp and revise and coordinate uh, our uh, communication um, channels. Uh, but if they want some information, they can call me directly. Just just call Clarence Gunn, 425-301-9672, and I can let them know. Our meetings are the first Monday of the month uh, at 7 p.m. Um, usually they've been at the Washington State Labor Council office there on Jackson and 16th, but obviously with the, with the uh, virus, we've had to go virtual. Um, and, and so when you call me, um, you know, let me know, and, and I'll be able to uh, shoot you the individuals that ask. Uh, I'll be able to shoot them the link, and I'll make sure to uh, add you and uh, Hayward to the list, uh, Eddie, so that uh, you guys will know as well. And um, when I put that out, I also put out the um, draft agenda for the meetings um, you know, topics we want to talk about, and then, of course, members come and add or subtract, depending on how much time we have. Uh, but I'll, I'll send those two things to you. Usually I do it at least a week in advance of the meeting, um, but, you know, I can definitely make sure that you're aware of it and can can promote it so that people yeah, can Yeah, we can uh, announce it, and then also we want to have you on, too, uh, because of the work you're doing, and this is not going away soon, so it's not like a monthly thing or a quarterly thing. We need to have information on a daily basis, like they have you on, since we're not on every day, but at least uh, a weekly basis of significant things happen, and there's more more uh, ways to, uh, uh, you know, to get the information out to folks. So I think that, uh, uh, man, I want to thank you very much for the work you're doing. Like I said, keep Hayward and I in the loop so we can keep our listeners informed as well. So, hey, would you okay. have a comment or question? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, uh, Clarence, first, you're doing a great job as the president of DDI, but I have a question. Yeah, King County Health Department, are they keeping track of people uh, who are passing away or have the virus by race and also their uh, economics, where, where they are uh, financially? Is that information being being kept or tracked? Um, Hayward, I started doing some research last night when y'all called me to be on the on the show, and I I didn't dig that deep, but I will have that information for you uh, by Monday. Today's Thursday, so I have it for you by Monday. Um, you know, so that uh, you know you can start to to put it out, you know, to folks. Um, I'm I'm just not sure um, about what the county uh, puts out. Um, okay. In, in, okay. Especially in terms of uh, economics, they may have it in terms of uh, um, in terms of race, but I don't think so about. Uh, okay, well, we'll follow up next week, Clarence. We want to thank you for your time today, and we'll stay in touch because this is vital information our community needs to have. So, thank you very much, yeah. sir, for your time Thanks, today. Clarence. All right. Thank okay. You. Uh, before we go to Samith and uh, uh, Juan Jose Bocanegra, I want to say that. Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sound Trans, the Small Business Development and Labor Compliance Office, Leslie Jones at the helm, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office with Liz Alzier, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office with Mian Rice, Concourse Concessions, David Fukuhara, CTAC Bar Group LLC, the two Desert Storm veterans, Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsitt, and Stephanie Ogle from Solstice Media does our technology. Our next guest is Samith Mel and Juan Bocanegra, I think. Are you guys on the line? This is Samade. Hello, 
Hey, Sylvia, how you doing? Uh, Eddie Rye and Hayward Evans, uh, my co-host. Uh, were you able to hook up Boca? I know he was sick yesterday. Yeah, I was contacting Boca. I think um, Boca's calling me right now. Let me see if we can actually get him on one moment here. Okay, we'll take a break while you hook him up, okay? Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, the late, great Bill Withers. I also want to give a shout-out to the family of uh, Reverend Edwin Popsy Kyles, who passed away. My friend Ron Bolton passed away, so we'll talk about that next week. But right now we have Samoth Mel and Juan Jose Bocanegra on the line. Uh, Samoth, I guess, are you representing the the, uh, Coalition for Immigrants, Refugees, and Communities of Color? And I know Boca is an organizer with El Comite, so you guys can correct that. But you guys are both instrumental in fighting for justice and equity as far as health care goes and dealing with the virus. So, Samoth, why don't you start off and let us know what you are doing in your organization. On here. Thank you, Eddie. Um, again, the alliance has been really growing in the last six weeks, really grew out from uh, the pushback against the quarantine site that in White Center that King County was slated to stand. Um, and from there, it really grew regionally. Now we have 26 organizations from Shoreline down to Canton, Auburn, and from White Center, West Seattle, all the way to the east side. Um, and the really good thing about it is we have four strategies that the alliance is working on. Number one, advocacy communications, immediate needs, and then also anti-hate, bias, and stigma. And all these four uh, categories of strategies have been very active in the last four to three weeks, um, rigorously meeting with a lot of different people uh, from the state 
down to the local jurisdiction to push for um, policies, which Boca will be talking about, but also to make sure that we respond um, actively to the crisis right now, because it's really disproportionately impacting communities of color and impacting undocumented communities and folks that don't have the means and resources to really weather the storm, Eddie. Mm. Very sad. We see this. uh, The uh, African-American community is really getting overwhelmed in terms of the number of disproportionate number of deaths. And what really got me more than anything is that they were not reporting by race at first. Okay. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and Boca, you're doing what now? Well, I'm the director of the um, All In for Washington, which is a coalition, a statewide coalition dealing with uh, tax reforms. And, you know, when, when this whole thing started, we were kind of set back for a minute because, you know, we, there was no way of promoting any ideas for tax increasing the taxes that need that are needed but i guess this uh this epidemic has really opened bare naked the atrocities that have been committed over the years against communities of color <clears throat> and on top of it the uh the in- inequalities that exist in our society are just uh have been you know made out openly for everybody, where poor people are the ones that are facing the impact of this uh, this uh, epidemic. And so one of the things that we, when, when they started pulling out, pushing out the, uh, the relief programs, they very, very uh, democratically left out undocumented workers out of the unemployment area. I mean, outside of the whole issue that we're going to be facing, food shortages and you know, farm workers are still working in the fields without any real protection. Uh, outside of uh, some supposedly letters that ICE has given workers, so that they can uh, they can walk, they can drive around uh, in their communities, so they can get to work as essential workers, which is yes. interesting because they were deporting them, and now all of a sudden, you know, they all become an essential workers. And you know, we'd like to change that scenario too, because we have workers. That are um, that are the, you know are part of the basic structure of our society, and and they're always living in fear of being deported, and they should become they should be given residency by the by the country, and be allowed They're essential to workers. Allowed for citizenship as essential workers, just like everybody else, and they should be treated, and you know that unemployment money, Eddie, that's that's every worker's money. This is not. The workers are not asking for charity. The workers are asking for what belongs to them. You know, so when we start talking about trying to get new revenues to fill in these gaps, and, and there are huge gaps in health care, in education, and just, you know, everyday uh, services for our community, uh, we start looking at, you know, we are owed, our, our community, our workers, the workers in this country are owed back from this uh, conglomerate that have been ripping them off for years. And so, you know, we, we need to look at more revenue, and only that new revenue, most of our Tesla te- state legislators quit uh, or are not looking at, at the people that, are, that have those resources, which are Amazon, Boeing, uh, Microsoft, and all the other major companies that, that have gained millions and billions of dollars in profit. And they only get that profit. They only get that profit out of the back of workers. So they owe that money back to the workers, and they they need to start paying their equal portion of the taxes 
to cover right. all the benefits that we as workers provide for them, for this company. And so Let me have Seventh have the last word because we're running out of time, and we're going to have to have you guys back on because what you're saying is very relevant, and our listening audience needs to hear it. So, Seventh, we got about a minute left. I want you to go ahead and let me know uh, what else you're doing, and then uh, we're going to arrange to have you guys back on the next week or so because this virus is not going away, and the work you're doing is essential. Uh, and we definitely want to keep our listening audience informed and let all the communities of color know that we're right there, shoulder to shoulder with them. So, Seven, why don't you go ahead and have the last word? Great. Thank you, Eddie. Um, yeah, so one of the things we're working and pulling through right now is our community member um, has been building a database from the community level to help support around anti-hate and bias reporting and have making sure that our communities actually own that data. Um, and at the same time, King County is rolling out their anti-hate and bias data reporting as well. So we're wanting to make sure that we do um, have a mechanism to uh, for folks to report safely and for people to be able to feel comfortable um, making sure that it comes to community and we own that. Um, on the policy level, I know one of the things that uh, we also spoke about is comprehensive emergency management uh, legislation because we know that this particular uh, pandemic has brought to, to brought forth uh, the reasons that we are basically not prepared as a region. And so we need to look and see how those funding and those resources really are allocated to communities of color and the most impacted at the ground level, Eddie. Well, that's great. But like I said, you guys will have to be regulars on here because of the work you're doing and the information you have. We want to share with our listening audience. And I also want to give a shout-out to Velma Peloria for producing this part of the program. She's the one that put it together, so I want to give her a shout-out as well. Hey, thank yeah. both of you guys. I'll be with, talking to you real soon off the radio to find out what's going on. And if anything comes up, you guys, make sure you get in touch with myself or with Hayward to let us know because uh, we're on every Thursday. So we want to keep the information out to our listening audience and be an advocate for justice. So thank both of you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, then. We'll, we'll be talking soon. Okay, this has been uh, Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. We will have those gentlemen back on along with other members of the Congressional Black Caucus, as well as elected officials from other parts of the country to let folks know exactly what's happening. And once again, I want to give a shout-out to the families of Ron Bolton and also my longtime buddy, uh, Reverend uh, Edwin Popsy Kyles, uh, both who passed away. And I'm not certain if uh, Popsy passed away from the coronavirus. I know his wife passed away uh, a little while ago. And I also want to give a shout-out to the Ted Howard family as well, the Principal Garfield. His mother did pass away from the virus. So we'll talk to you again next week. Hayward Evans and Eddie Wright will be with you again next Thursday. So tune in and get some information. Thank you very much, Eric. We appreciate it.